GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that Pudgy Penguins is going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Did you say hype cycle? I heard it's hype. I think hype I did. Yeah, is that because you want to say like penguins? He just comes out with these on the hot. That's why I'm always laughing every time you do them. I like these. Budgie <laughs> penguins changing the world. Well, first in this episode today, where we round up all of the news, we're going to talk about first a quick market watch update to let you know what's going on there. And then we'll get into another Web3 app lands in the App Store. Is Apple becoming friendly to Web3? Probably not, but we'll have that discussion anyway. NFT toys, our boys, Pudgy Penguin or girls, are going big and are now available on Amazon. We'll talk about that. Some updates from the big Bitcoin Miami conference, wildness going on over there. And the big question, can MetaMask withhold your money if you have taxes for the government? Well, I don't know. Let's have that conversation. Plus, so much more. It's the big one. Jay, let's start off with some gratitude before we get into all the craziness of Web3. What are you grateful for? Yeah, I'm grateful for... uh... A lovely lady named Jordy, who led our prenatal class. The past two days, Sam and I attended a prenatal class. Whoa, man. Talks about taking information out of a fire hose, like complete overwhelm. I've never seen a kid born. I don't know what happens in the hospital. You know, like everything you think is wrong. The image of like, of Sam lying on her back on a bed. Apparently most babies are not born with the mother lying on their back. Didn't know that. Apparently, like they're like standing a lot on top of the hospital bed. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? Why would I know that? You're gonna find out, young dad. Uh, <laughs> but I'm really grateful for Canadian healthcare and the prenatal class, which has made me realize that I'm absolutely terrified for when my baby is born, but also feeling more prepared than I did a few days ago. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm grateful for Grand Bend, Ontario, <laughs> which is a Small beach town of Ontario. We're very, very different stages of life, Jay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We had a long weekend last weekend in Canada. And um, I used to, when I was younger, we used to have a cottage. My grandma had a cottage up near Grand Bend. So I used to go there when I was a kid all the time. And then also when I was like, just graduated from high school, this is where everyone would go on long weekends and just party. Hadn't been there in years. And uh, my girlfriend's dad has has a house there beautiful home. And we went and spent the weekend there and checked out Grand Bend again. It's just been a while and it was, it was so much fun and nice to be there on a, on a long weekend. So I had a great weekend there. I still get the chills when you use the word girlfriend. I can't <laughs> wait to meet her. It's so exciting. Kyle's got a girlfriend. This is amazing. Jay's on the other side of basically the world. I say Canada, but I don't think <laughs> I can't realize how big it is. So we don't get to meet. Well, we got a Zoom call coming up though. Zoom date. That's right. A little Zoom date. A little Zoom date. Meet the new GF. We maybe we'll get her on the roll up. Maybe she should come be a guest. The <laughs> already is like, what are you? Whenever she's like, she's sitting there and I'm on meetings and she's listening to me. She's like, what the heck are you talking about? Like one time we were talking about the Nike sneakers. She watched a bit of it on YouTube and she's like, what are you talking about? Like digital sneakers? Like th- this doesn't make any sense. It's like, someday you'll get it. Just wait. Tell her to take the rabbit hole course. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> she can get an NFT. She can be verified on chain. Yeah. Anybody listening to this, if you are know anyone who's beginning in Web3, you got a girlfriend, maybe you got a boyfriend, tell them to take the rabbit hole course. We'll put a link in the show notes. This is our intro course to Web3. You actually might want to wait. Ty, are you redoing that course or is it a new course that you're doing right now? That one as well. We'll have a new course coming out in the next few weeks, I'd say. So... It's coming. I'm getting too excited then. We'll let you know in a few weeks. You can still take it. It's still a good course. It's just going to be better. Let's roll with the show then. You want to jump into uh, some Market Watch, Kai? Or are we going to hear from a sponsor here first? Ah, that's a great point. Let's hold off on the sponsors. So those listening, let's just dive into some stuff for you, all right? So we're going to start with our our Market Watch. And uh, this is just an update on what's going on, both in crypto, macro, et cetera. The big news that's come out just over the last little while is that Hong Kong and China ultimately are coming back into crypto on June 1st. So next week, basically what's happening is next week, Hong Kong will be opening up applications for exchanges to allow people to start buying Bitcoin, Ethereum and other tokens. For the last two years or so, that's been banned. Um, Now, this is just Hong Kong. It's not all of China yet. But uh, anything that happens in Hong Kong is basically needs approval from Beijing. And so 
Uh, it was actually on the news in China, all of China, announcing this just yesterday on their news channel, CCTV, Chinese Central Television Station. China has banned and then unbanned crypto many times over the last decade. The last time this happened, crypto overall went up 380% in a matter of months. So now, is that going to happen? I'm not suggesting that will 100%. You know, of course, what we need to be thinking about is it's more than just is it legal or not. Now, obviously, if it's legal, that allows more people to do it. One thing to note is June 1st doesn't mean that I think it's available to everyone. I think what it means is that exchanges can now start to apply and like get the license they need, et cetera. So like, I don't know if this happens right away. The other big thing to think about is, you know, when we think right now, we're always thinking about the US. What's the macro conditions like? Do people have the money and the means to be investing? Is there liquidity? What are interest rates saying? What's inflation like, et cetera? And so what we need to think about here is what's it like in China right now? Is it a good environment for Chinese investors now that they can buy it? Will they actually be buying it? And so one thing that I think we should be thinking about and looking at is the macro environment in China. And right now, interest rates are I mean, they've stayed pretty even for a long time now, for years. It's about 3.6% is their rates, which is actually lower than it's been. So it's actually on a downward trend. So we look good on the interest rates. The big thing in China right now, we've already seen some liquidity coming in the system. Their growth is really slowing, meaning they're in a deep recession at the moment, which means that liquidity is coming big time in China, I believe. So just like if liquidity comes in the US, most investors are going to start putting money into, into assets. You can expect the same thing in China. So even if this wasn't legal in China. This is going to happen, right? People in China still invest in crypto. There's ways to get around it. Now it's just much easier. And if macro conditions are continuing to improve there, which they are, and they're even ahead of US, they look even better. To me, this is really, really big. And so if you're anywhere in the world, you want to get ahead of this. And now is your opportunity. And actually, we're seeing a nice little dip in markets for that anyway. So that's great. The other kind of thing in the markets that I would mention is just around inflation. Once again, I know we talk about this a lot. If you are a pro member, you saw a big deep dive last week on inflation. If you look at Trueflation, which I've talked about, which is an on-chain metric looking at millions of data points in the US, actually today it had its first print below 3%. It was 2.93 or whatever. So the Fed is looking to get inflation down to 2%. That's like their the running rate they want it at. And uh, according to Trueflation, we're actually almost there. But we dove further into inflation and looked at what's going on globally. Again, highly recommend you check out this. And Jay, if you want to just scroll down a little bit to a couple of these images here, when you look at other countries of what's going on in inflation, one of the things you want to look at is we always talk about CPI, that's consumer price index. So that's the cost to buy goods, to consume things. Well, there's something that happens before CPI that CPI lags, and that's PPI. It's basically the cost to or the inflation on producing products, right? So if producing products goes up, you can bet that consuming products is going to go up. If producing products goes down, you can assume that consuming products goes down, right? Makes sense. When we look at the PPI numbers year over year in countries like Spain, it's negative. It's deflation. Okay. So in Spain, it's negative 1%. In China, it's negative 4%. In Brazil, negative 2%. Norway, negative 20%. Okay. Oh. Inflation is old news in most places around the world. The UK Still a bit screwed, but that's because of Brexit and some other things that they've done. But this thing is falling off a cliff. So I really, really hope that people are starting to wrap their heads around that inflation is not sticky. This is not going to be the 1970s, like a lot of people are thinking, which this means really good things. It doesn't mean that they'll pivot on interest rates right away. Probably the Fed wants to see inflation actually get to 2% before that they make that change so they can say, hey, you know, we did it, even though like all the indicators are showing it's going that way. But anyway, is what it is. So that looks really good. The last thing I would say on MarketWatch, if you're interested in markets and you're investing, we are actually going to be running an event for all community members. It's actually free. It's basically looking at the principles of investing in crypto. So giving everyone here a, a framework to look at how to invest in such a volatile asset. And so we're going to break that down on Tuesday at 12 p.m. EST in our Discord. It's going to be a free session. Everyone can attend. We will do a Q&A at the end and some more in-depth analysis, but that will go on the pro side. So we'll actually go into the token gated call area just for pro members to do Q&A. So anyone can show up, can get the information that I'm going to teach. But then if you want to ask questions and be a part of the kind of little bit extra information, that's going to be behind the pro token gated channels. And so if you're not a pro member yet, do that. You can do that by going to the link below in the show notes. You can sign up to pro and then you'll get the whole experience. But if not, mark your calendars on Tuesday. What's the date? Tuesday, Jay, any idea? Tuesday, 12 p.m. EST. Join in the fun. It's going to be great. We did an event last week and we had something like 25 people show up. I expect even more this time around. So it should be a great session. Stoked. I love it. 
All right, let's jump into uh, some news for this week. So much happening. But before we do, we'll just take a minute to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Welcome back. And to go off on the market watch again, just real quick, you know, liquidity is great. We need inflation, all those metrics to be in our favor for, you know, price structure to go up. But we also need activity. We need use cases. We need people coming into the space and using blockchain. The first cycle, or not the first cycle, but the cycle in 2017, we had the ICOs. The last cycle, we had NFTs and DeFi. And so now the question is like, what's going to happen this time? And we're starting to see sort of like early days of some mainstream type apps that are working. We talked about it with Sound. I think it was last week with the mobile wallet. Well, this week we have Stepin. And Stepin is a move to earn, I guess you can call it like app, right? So basically if you move, you run and you do things outside, it tracks it and then you can earn tokens to do this, right? This became really big in the bull market of last year. They've kind of managed to make it through this whole bear market. And so basically you have to buy an NFT to do it and then you can earn these tokens. Now, they were never able to make this a mobile app and have the Web3 functionalities happening inside the app because of Apple. Of course, Apple's always gatekeeping, not allowing our Web3 apps to flourish like we want. And finally, it looks like we have not the perfect setup, but we've got something working here because Stepin is now a mobile app and you can pay and buy an NFT inside of the app. So last week, I believe it was, who was it? We were talking about Axie Infinity had kind of had some use cases and utility for NFTs in their app, um, which is kind of the first time we saw that. Well, now we have another one just one week later. Um, this one's a bit of a different setup, though, the way they've done it. So typically what you have to do is you have to buy Stepin's token, which I believe is called GMT. And then inside of their marketplace, you can go and buy the NFT. These are like shoes and different things to actually play the app and earn tokens. Well, you were never allowed to actually buy the NFT in the app. You had to go to the desktop version to do that. Now they have allowed it and you can actually buy the NFT with Apple Pay. Now here's how it works, how they actually made this possible. Apple's still not letting them actually buy the NFT with Apple Pay. What they've done is you can use Apple Pay to buy a token, now not a crypto token. It's just a like your typical, I don't know, think of like an Air Miles or a credit card type token. Mm -hmm. It's like a point thing. It's like a credit. A credit, yeah, we call it credit, exactly. So it's not on a blockchain or anything like that. But you can use Apple Pay to buy those and then you can use those to go and purchase the NFT inside the marketplace. So it's not the perfect setup. It's like there's one extra step you have to do, but it works. Now, the other thing you'll notice is that the NFT, you can still go buy it with crypto if you just use the browser, like the website, rather than the application. Uh, and what you'll notice is that it's actually more expensive to buy it in the app than it is to buy it on the browser. And the reason for that is because they have to pay the 30% cost to Apple Pay so they're making the consumer purchase that, which I mean, most applications do. If um, you want to sign up for Twitter, their ver verification process, I think it's called Twitter Blue, then same thing happens. If you sign up for that in your browser, it's actually, I think it's like $9.99 or whatever it is. If you buy it in the your app, in the app store, then it's 30% more. So most applications do this. So this is normal. This makes sense. I think more Web3 apps will go this route. So interesting to see that we have another app that's now on the app store again, bit of a weird UX, but pretty user-friendly and looks all good. You can still also sell the NFT through the app, but what happens is everyone has to buy the NFT with these Spark tokens. But then if you sell your NFT, I think step in or however it works, I'm not exactly sure of how they do this in the background. They accept those tokens and then they pay out the person who sold the NFT in the GMT token, so in the crypto token actually. So 
there's kind of a weird workaround for it. Look, it's probably a bit centralized. Well, probably very centralized, but whatever, right? This is a mainstream app for just people trying to move and make a bit of earn a little bit of things while they do it. Doesn't need to be fully decentralized. We don't need your ledger or whatever you want to call it, your Game Boy, as we're going to talk about later to protect this stuff. It's okay if this part is a bit centralized. Again, they kind of just have to do it for this all to work. The other big change they've done is you used to have to connect a wallet in order to play, which is a barrier to entry for 99.9% of the world. What they've done now is you can just sign up with an email and you can start playing. Even you can buy the NFT without a wallet. They will hold it for you. And then if once you connect a wallet, you can put it onto your self-custody wallet and you can self-custody from there. So they're enabling this app to work in a Web2 fashion and have all the things. Now you don't get self-custody over the NFT if you buy it right off the bat and you don't connect a wallet. But who cares, right? Again, 99.9% of people in this world don't give a shit about self-custody. If they did, they would already be in crypto, right? So they don't care. So let's onboard them. Let's get them using it. Now they can start earning some money. And then, hey, if they earn enough money, they might go, shit, I want to keep this off the app or whatever, which is great. These are the kind of experiences we want. Just like we talked about last week with sound, where you make it a Web2 like experience, but then you offer the Web3 features to amplify or to lower risk of that experience. So kudos to step in for kind of battling through the bear market and making it on the app. Now we've got Axie Infinity, we've got step in, we've got sound, we've got Uniswap's wallet. It's coming, right? Things are coming. This is great. It's exactly what we want to see. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I mean, it's another example of the Web3 mullet, right? It's exactly. Web2 in the front, Web3 in the back. As you said, if we're going to achieve mass adoption, we can't have this crazy onboarding process where it's like, oh, actually, before you can use my app or get involved, you're going to need to go take 10 other steps outside of my app. And you're going to need to learn how to set up a crypto wallet and buy crypto on an exchange and then come back to my app. And we're in this world where nobody understands what that is or why they should do that or what the value is. Removing the crypto wallet is huge. That is the big thing that we need more apps to be able to do. And look, if it means you have to pay 30% extra, so be it right now. That's just part of the game, part of the world that we live in. And as you said, Kai, that's already the case. If you are buying through Apple Pay through the App Store, you are often doing that anyways. So a lot of news articles sort of freaked out about the like tax part of this saying like, oh, great that Stepin did this, but hey, let's not get too excited. You still have to pay the Apple tax, but it's like you have to do that on all platforms too. So I get what people you know, are up in arms about that. It sucks for creators selling art. But like, look, mm -hmm. most people in the world aren't buying art. So like, that's not the big use case of Web3, right? So like, we got to get our minds off of what happened in 2021. Art is great, but it is a niche, niche industry. You know what's not a niche industry? Move to earn applications. You know what I mean? Social media apps, like mm -hmm. all this stuff that we're talking about here with sound and step in and Axie gaming. These are not niche. These are billions of people do this stuff. So let's find tech that makes that work, right? And it's okay if we have to pay an extra 30%. I mean, it sucks, but like we do it with all the other apps. So what's the big deal? All right, next up, Pudgy Penguins, the hottest project in the space in the past week. Everybody's loving Pudgy these days. Everybody's on board. It isn't always the case in crypto. A lot of the times there's a project that's doing well and there's always some hater, you know, there's somebody tearing it down. But now everybody's on board with Pudgy, which is awesome to see. So Pudgy launched Pudgy Toys on Amazon last week and absolutely crushed it. Sold over 20,000 toys in the first 48 hours, over $500,000 in revenue. We don't know this from on-chain. We know this because Luca Nets, the CEO of Pudgy, shared this information in a Twitter space. But I don't know if you've seen these toys, Kai. They are sweet. There's so many different kinds of toys. There's like little figurines, there's huggable plushies, there's like these little plush buddies. Is like, this is Pudgy not just making a single toy. They are entering the entire space with a whole collection of toys, all these different toys, which right now it was interesting. Lucas said in a Twitter space that he estimates that 85 to 90% of the people that are purchasing the toys so far are Web3 natives. So he doesn't yet think it has moved beyond Web3 into others. But at the same time, with this launch going so well, Pudgy made number one 
on the Amazon charts on a few different Amazon charts for like a couple different toy charts. So you can imagine you're number one on toy charts. That's going to bring in some new people into the space. Now, and, and a lot of the people buying these, even though they're Web3 they're native, they have kids, right? And so their kids are going to play with these toys. They're going to love them. They're going to take them around other kids and other kids are going to go, I want this penguin because they're cute. They're yeah. nice looking toys. And so that's how it starts, right? So you need a niche group that will buy your stuff in the beginning. And thankfully, they have a Web3 community that will do it. Again, none of this has anything to do with Web3 or NFTs. They're just penguin toys, right? And you're going to get into, I think, where the Web3 aspect comes from this. But yeah. like, there is no Web3 stuff here whatsoever. You're just buying a toy on Amazon, which is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so toys cost $9 to $25. Very affordable. We we're actually chatting with the another friend of ours in the discord. And she was saying that most toys she buys for her kids are way more expensive than this. So she was excited about the pricing of the toys where the web three comes in is each toy comes with an adoption certificate. They call it super fun. You're adopting a penguin and it encourages you to enter pudgy world. Anyone can sign up for pudgy world. It's free. Basically you use your adoption certificate and then you get to redeem a NFT, which is on polygon and you can start to play around in their world and use your toy and and access different traits. Now, the big question is a lot of people are like, well, is this the onboarding moment we've all been waiting for? Oh my gosh, you know, 20,000 toys sold in 48 hours. Holy geez. Well, uh, hate to break every burst everyone's bubble, but we looked on chain and I've got up on screen here a chart of who has minted their NFT as a result of buying their toy. And so far, only just shy of 800 people have minted their NFT. And I'm sure the toy has sold many more than 20,000 at this point. So a little low conversion rate on getting people into Web3, maybe not exactly the massive onboarding that we thought, but let's remember that it's still early. And again, a lot of these people are Web3 natives that are buying it right now. So perhaps they know that this NFT is not that they're going to be able to claim is not going to have value. A lot of the Web3 natives are in this space for investment. They want to look for those NFTs that are going to go up in value. So yeah, we'll see. I think the other very interesting thing to mention about this is just the ability of Pudgy to execute. They're so methodical. And it's not a surprise. Luca Nets in his previous career, and he's a young guy, he's in his 20s. He had a toy company that he took to nine figures. So he understands the e-commerce space. He understands toys. But they were very selective with the rollout of this. Partnering with Amazon was very smart. It got a lot of hype around the Amazon side of things. And they very strategically did not launch in Walmart in the beginning. They're apparently planning to launch in Walmart in the next month. They're also going to the licensing expo next month, which is like the biggest expo for licensing IP because Pudgy wants to be a massive IP brand with TV and movies and all of that. And here's the thing. You go to the licensing expo right now and you're just an NFT brand. There's a lot of skepticism around NFTs. So people who are looking to do licensing deals might be like, ah, I don't really understand the NFT thing. I'm not looking for that. But now Pudgy goes with, oh, we're an NFT brand. We're also one of the largest gift brands in the world. Pudgy has over 3 billion views on the gifts that they've made. And now we're a toy brand as well. And we have sold over 20,000. You're not an NFT brand. They don't go in saying we're an NFT brand. This is a thing that people need to understand no. is NFTs have nothing to do with this. Nor should they. Your NFT is not your product. Erase that from your mind. They just have a brand. They have an amazing Instagram account. Hilarious, like really, really cute stuff. They've got toys. That's great. They just use the technology of an NFT to create a better digital experience that they otherwise could not if NFTs didn't exist. But NFTs have nothing to do with their business, right? That's the thing you gotta understand. They're just a brand and they happen to have toys that kids might love. But you know what also kids love? Digital experiences. And so an NFT allows them to verify they own a Pudgy Penguin toy and then go and do things with it and actually own that thing and, mm -hmm. you know, use it interoperably in probably other games and stuff. Now, why are people not minting that NFT right now? Because who gives a shit? You can't do anything on that site, right? There is no utility there yet. There is no use case or fun with it. You just can go in and verify, but people don't care. Why would anyone care? Now, when you can go verify and then access this cool game and play with your Pudgy Penguin or like, you know what I mean? Like they do create a really cool experience with it. Everyone's going to go mint that thing because they want that experience or they can attend an event or they can whatever it is that they have to do. But right now, there's just there's no reason to, to have the NFT. So who cares? Right. 
we got to, again, not get all psyched up about a technology. It just is enabling some other experience, which is great. Mm -hmm. But who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Who gives a shit about it being an NFT? And I think Luca is no longer an NFT brand, Pudgy Penguins. They are just a brand and they just happen to use NFT technology just like they probably use AI in their company as well. But they don't run around going, hey, we're an AI company. They just use it to help their business. This is the same way, same way an artist doesn't say they're an MP3 company or Google isn't a SMTP company. Right. These artists are not web three artists. They just happen to use, or like an MP3 artist. They just use that to facilitate the distribution of their music, right? It's just technology. (laughs) Well said. And then last on the Pudgy, we know Pudgy made it because Beeple ended the week by making his every day about pudgy penguins onboarding. It's a pretty gruesome photo because that's Beeple's art. It's a photo of like the head of a pudgy being sewn onto a human. But hey, if Beeple's putting you in his art, that's a big signal, a signal to a lot of people that people care. So more and more people should care. So really great to see. Anything else on pudgy? You want to move on to Bitcoin Miami? I want to know what happened at Bitcoin Miami, Jay. Tell me what's up. Okay. Well, here's what happened at Bitcoin Miami. They didn't talk at all about Bitcoin. They talked about roll-ups, layer twos, MEVs, data availability layers, and NFTs. Because what is the big thing happening at Bitcoin right now is the expansion of that blockchain, the ability of BRC20s to enable inscriptions of NFTs on-chain, and the leading towards should this blockchain, should Bitcoin become a smart contract blockchain. Not not what I think most people were expecting. No, no, no. I mean, it's funny. We did a roll up last year at the same time as the, the Bitcoin Miami conference. And I remember we just, we didn't cover much. We just said, what do they talk about there? They just get all hyped up about like, I don't know, the price of Bitcoin. And that's kind of it because you don't do anything. And so it's really funny that one year later, their conferences, not even, I mean, obviously they still talked about Bitcoin a bit, but like, is all about all the things that Ethereum went through. And Ethereum mm-hmm. had the same issue, right? Like at one point, Ethereum was just ETH, the same as Bitcoin was, you know, a few months ago. And then Ethereum started to create smart contracts and had had NFTs and it had other tokens, ERC-20s. And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, okay, this is cool. We can do all this stuff, but this is not scalable. Gas fees are crazy, right? This doesn't work anymore. And so we need to figure out how are we going to scale? And that's where rollups and L2s. And then when we created L2s, we were like, oh my God, there's this MEV issue we've got to figure out and we need to move the data off the chain and blah, 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 blah. Right. And so we started to notice all these problems. And that's where this whole world of an ecosystem of L2s and all this stuff that Ethereum does, it all came from those problems. And they all were solved at conferences and through research, et cetera. And it's funny because now Bitcoin is basically, I saw a tweet saying that Bitcoin is now downstream from Ethereum. Right. So the Bitcoin community is now trying to solve the problems that Ethereum went through five years ago. And so they'll continue to go through the same problems because if that's the route they go, which I don't know why they wouldn't, they're going to have to figure all this stuff out. So it's really funny to see. But cool. It's great. Michael Saylor, who is sort of the godfather of uh, Bitcoin investment, who knows how much I wonder actually how much micro strategy his firm has in Bitcoin now. I imagine it's it's, uh, six, four billion, I think, worth. Four billion is that what it Somewhere is? Yeah. There, I think. So in his talk at Bitcoin Miami, he said he's in support of Bitcoin pushing the direction of a smart contract blockchain. He talked about the ability of burning a piece of data on chain as a key mechanic for active app innovation. He talked about the need for more security at the corporate level. He talked about DocuSign as an example of an app that a lot of enterprise level companies use to manage very secure documents. But DocuSign is a centralized server. It's pretty weak security. It's very vulnerable. Blockchain obviously offers much better security. And so he is in support of altering Bitcoin and going in the direction of it becoming a smart contract blockchain. And then last Welcome to the 2000s, Bitcoiners. Like, what do you mean? It's funny that it took this for them to go, oh, Wait, blockchain can have other use cases other than just moving Bitcoin? It's good for identity and verifying things like contracts? Duh. We've literally known this for like eight years and they're literally just coming around? Come on. Michael Saylor's a smart man and he's just figuring that out now. It's just wild what how much brainwash has happened in that community, in that ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, big time. And then last week, Bitcoin 
NFTs jumped to the number two spot on NFT charts, over $160 million sold volume in Bitcoin NFTs last month behind Ethereum's number one, Solana's number three. Ethereum's at over 400 million and Solana's about 60 million. Just to give you an idea of the numbers there. But let's get the hype cycle alert going right now uh, because we all also saw a chart, which I don't actually think I have here. But we all also saw a chart of Bitcoin NFTs showing that that is definitely a hype No, this cycle. is BRC20s, BRC20s. BRC20s, so, yeah. BRC20s, which is the the actual fungible tokens. They had a bunch of meme coins go on, on Bitcoin the last few weeks, and it went crazy just like Pepe did on Ethereum. That has now tanked and gone down like crazy, like down, I don't know, 80, 90%, whatever. So just an obvious, we were ringing that bell many, many times, an obvious hype cycle, which has since basically died out. And uh, and so that happened on Bitcoin as well. So same thing. Now, NFTs, I don't know where that goes. We'll see. It may continue to go just because there's so much room for like more NFTs and adoption there. Mm -hmm. um, it's still so new, but who knows? Again, nothing they're building has any utility. So like it is definitely a hype cycle. When that ends, uh, who knows? And then the last thing at the Bitcoin Man that was interesting was uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced that he is going to be accepted donations in Bitcoin for his upcoming political campaign. First politician in history to accept Bitcoin donations. Look, this isn't like something revolutionary for the ability to track donations because all politicians have to disclose their donations. It's all public information. But this is a big sign from a, an American politician and a nod towards the future of crypto which obviously will lead more people to get on board and the sentiment to change and be favored in the right direction. So first of all, it's live. So you can see the donations live, which you can't do in the other way, right? They have to disclose yep. them themselves. So we have to trust. This is live. We can just see it on chain. Also, people outside the US will be able to donate, which I don't think was possible before because you probably had to sign up and prove you're an American to donate in the web two ways that they have it. And um, this way you're just sending to a Bitcoin address. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, and the last thing is actually, I believe it was Robert F. Kennedy. Oh, no, it was a different presidential elect was on Twitter yesterday with Elon Musk. They did a Twitter space, like something like over a million people were trying came into it. It was crazy. Oh it crashed God. Twitter, basically. But he announced there that he is Bitcoin friendly. And he if he was to be elected, he would ensure Bitcoin's success, not success, but Bitcoin's like freedom and clear regulatory nature for it. And basically was saying that the government right now, the reason they don't want Bitcoin is because they don't have control over it and governments just want control. And he's you know, basically saying he wants the opposite. So that's pretty cool. I love it. Great stuff all around. Let's jump over to um, MetaMask and this fear that they can withhold your taxes. Hi, can <laughs> yeah, MetaMask so withhold money that you have made? And There's always something going on in this space where people just light up anything happening they just freak out over like a piece of text and they have no idea what's actually going on no context around it and they just start firing on all cylinders on twitter and always to like the best companies in the space the ones that are doing the mm -hmm. most to like help people and onboard new people and people just lose their minds last week it was ledger this week consensus you got literally the two biggest and best companies yeah. in the space that are doing the most. So Consensus, who is the builder of, of MetaMask and many other infrastructure tools that we use on Ethereum and others, there was a, an update, I believe it was, to their their policies. And it said something, do you have the picture there if you scroll down? I don't know if they, they put it in this thread here. Basically, there was a, a picture saying something about they can withhold taxes. And so everyone lost their minds thinking that, here it is. Uh, yeah, here it is. We reserve the right to withhold taxes where required in their policies. So people went to Twitter losing their minds, thinking that what MetaMask could do is if you owed, let's say, $10,000 in taxes, they could withhold your ETH or your whatever crypto you have and hold X amount of taxes so that the government can collect their taxes in your own MetaMask wallet. Guys, if you had any clue on how self-custody works whatsoever, if you understood Web3 just a little bit, you would know that that's not freaking possible. MetaMask does not have the ability to touch or do anything with the assets in your wallet. They are just an interface to interact with those assets. They don't control anything that's holding in that wallet. They don't, it's just not even physically possible. The people who are tweeting this are people in this space. Like they should know this. So MetaMask mm -hmm. can't do that. All this is talking about is that MetaMask has products that you can buy, nothing to do with your self-custody. They are just like products to buy for different features and things in, in other things. And so in that sense, when you pay with like credit card and stuff, they do have the ability to withhold taxes in that way. 
So again, nothing like to do sales with tax, like literally exactly. sales yeah. tax on buying as every company in the world. Exactly. Like this is tax. no different than anyone else. So like, again, nothing to do with your crypto or your wallet. No. So again, like people just losing their minds on two of the most popular wallets we have because people just don't understand wallets and don't understand self-custody. It's just ridiculous. This space, people need to grow up. Like, honestly, it's just, it, to me, it feels like a bunch of children. I know it's not. The funny thing is these are 30, 40, 50 year old people that are acting like children. I don't know why. I mean, it's just, it's bait clicks. You know, this guy got a million views on his tweet here and it's just all bullshit, right? It's unfortunate the way that our social media works and, um, but nothing we can do about it. It just is what it is. But this is again, why you just need to get your information from trusted sources. This is why we do what we do every single day is so that you can one, get out of the hype cycles and two, get, just get legit information because there's too many people sharing just garbage stuff. It's really frustrating, but nothing we can do about it, Jay. How do we create a, a culture that, does not jump to conclusions so fast. This theme has been coming up so much recently. You, you don't. And I really want to encourage everybody out there to don't make your first move to jump to a conclusion. Always make your first move to understand, right? Yeah. Further understanding is always the first objective. Once you understand, then join the conversation and then educate and then share your knowledge. Don't just read one piece of information and then jump to the most extreme conclusion. There is such a great ethos of Web3 from the beginning was WAGME. And you don't hear WAGME as much anymore. And that's fine. And we all move on from these terms. But this belief that like we're all in this together and that the purpose of crypto and Web3 and blockchain is to create better quality across the world and that we can create a system, a monetary system and an internet system and an identity system that gives everybody equal opportunity and fair rights. That's where this started from. Like, let's get back to that point of view, not this point of view of selfishness and my needs first above anyone else. He knew that he could get a bunch of clicks from it. I'm sure this person understood that MetaMask can't do this. Maybe not, but... I, my assumption is they did, I hope. but they just know they can go viral from it. What I think we need is some sort of like way in our social media platforms where like, I wish I could go back to this tweet. I understand why I got a bunch of likes and retweets and stuff. People thought this was true, but now that we all know it's not, I should be able to go back to this tweet and like downvote it or, you know, put a thumbs down and that should hurt his like reputation score inside the platform. And maybe he gets less views because we all went and voted that it was shit information, right? Like, mm -hmm. or... You know, maybe this happens in like some sort of slashing environment where we have social tokens for our platforms. And if you produce bad content that people end up saying are not reputable, you lose some tokens. Like maybe there's a way to incentivize people from not doing this. Cause I think people just are always going to do this if there's no consequences. Mm -hmm. Right. So we need to find a way to actually incentivize things inside the platforms or, or de incentivize things. And so I don't know. I don't know if anyone's built that kind of stuff. But like Reddit kind of has it. You can downvote things. Your content doesn't get seen as much of it's shit. I wish things like Twitter had that, but maybe one day we'll get it. Well, and it brings up the interesting point of the problem with this is now that this has so many views, it's going to get traffic through search. And so yeah. the algorithms are going to say, yeah, you typed in MetaMask taxes. This is the most popular post about right. MetaMask taxes. And you come to this and you don't know that it's fake. There's no way to know that. So yeah, that's a really good point, Kai. Maybe Favor, we talked about Favor uh, app built on Lens uh, last week, who is building out a system to manage clout on chain. Let's keep moving through. What do we got next here, Kai? Something happening over at Connects. So we talked about account abstraction, which is basically removing the whole like seed phrase in, in a lot of the wallet stuff that we think of when we use Web3 right now, right? A lot of it is heavy of signing transactions and, you know, having to create a wallet and have your seed phrase and all that kind of stuff. So account abstraction is looking to kind of remove that and make it seem like it's just a typical account, like a Web2 version of account, yet it's actually self-custody in the background. Well, what Connects is doing and has just launched is what's called chain abstraction. One of the big problems right now, if you've ever used, let's say, any lending app or any app, anything, you want to buy an NFT or sell an NFT, you want to put some tokens in a lending pool or whatever you want to do. The big problem right now, because we have all these new layer twos and all these different chains is sometimes you might want to do something that's on Polygon. Maybe I want to buy an NFT over there, but my ETH is over on Arbitrum, right? And maybe I don't even have any ETH on Arbitrum to spend on gas fees to go and bridge it over to Polygon, right? Because my ETH is actually all saved on Ethereum. 
And so like, if I want to buy that thing on Polygon, I've got to leave the app that I'm in. Let's say it's, I don't know, Zora. We've talked about Zora a lot. I want to mint my Coinbase shield, but I need a little bit of ETH to do that, but I can't because I have nothing in that wallet on that chain. Well, now I got to leave that app. I got to go open up Connects or Hop protocol or whatever. And I got to go and bridge my ETH from Arbitrum over to Polygon, but I got to make sure I have gas in my Arbitrum wallet before I can move that token over to this chain. And it's a mess, right? It makes zero sense. And so what Connects has done is allowed for all that to be abstracted away. And so let's say I use OpenSea on Polygon. I want to buy an NFT there. What I can do is when I click that, it shows where I have available ETH elsewhere. Or sorry, it doesn't even need to do that. It actually just abstracts all that away. And when I click to buy, let's say I need ETH or whatever, it automatically just bridges my ETH over. It finds the gas wherever I have it. It takes the ETH and just moves it around for you. So you don't even need gas on that actual chain in that wallet. And just does it all for you. And boom, all of a sudden your ETH is on Polygon and buys the thing. So you don't need to go through all those other steps. It just literally does it all for you. And so it moves a bunch of different steps, which is exactly what we need to sort of, again, abstract away the confusion and the difficulty of using Web3. So these are the UX fixes we always talk about. It's all coming, right? And so now we have this with Connects. So any wallet can just integrate this or any app can just integrate this. As a user, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to install anything. It just works. It just functions. And now just everything happens under the hood for you, which is absolutely amazing. This is huge. It's so exciting. Like this yeah. is exactly what we need because as you said, even just you saying it, the complexity of making those steps. Is, right. Like It's crazy that that's what we have to do. Crazy that that's what we have to do. Way to go, Connects. Chain abstraction. I love it. Okay, next up. Game wallet. So talk about capitalizing on the opportunity. We talk a little lot about capitalizing on the opportunity of investments, but we also want to talk about capitalizing on the opportunity of business. Last week, we all know that Ledger was the biggest news in the space with launching Ledger Recover, uh, which they have actually put on delay now indefinitely as a result of all the backlash they got. But we're not going to talk about Ledger Recovery. Not indefinitely, until they get some of the stuff open source. So it's coming still and it's all good. Mm-hmm. They just, they're listening to their community and they're saying, you know, people want some more open source stuff. So they're going to get that out there as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somebody else in the space said, here's my opportunity. Everybody wants a hardware wallet with guaranteed of no firmware updates. And they've launched a hardware wall that does that. And they've done it in a Game Boy cartridge. So if you have a Game Boy sitting around your house, you can sign up to the Game Wallet, which is built by Kept, and you will receive a cartridge, which you put in your Game Boy. You play a game to produce a seed phrase based upon your, and when I say play a game, it's the most basic game from what I can see. You literally walk around and hit a few buttons. That's how your seed phrase is generated. And this cartridge now is your cold storage hardware wallet, which is guaranteed to have no firmware updates. So if writing down your seed phrase on a piece of paper wasn't the worst UX ever, now you've got to buy a Game Boy and then buy a cartridge and then put that cartridge in your Game Boy and play a game. And then you get the words and then you can go and write them down on a piece of paper. We're going backwards, guys. And not to mention, this is a terrible idea. Do not do this because no firmware updates is bad. It is really, really bad, guys. you got to understand that security, it consistently improves. And just like an application, right? You have your Facebook app, you have your Instagram app. They fix bugs all the time. And so you update that app in the app store, okay? Security, same thing, okay? We find bugs in the security, just like there's a bunch of hackers out there. What Ledger does has probably the best team in the entire space. Mm -hmm. They hire a bunch of, I forget, they have a name for them. These guys are the best when it comes to security and hacking. And their entire job is to try to hack Ledger. And every time they find a potential bug, what Ledger does is they fix that bug and then they update the firmware so that everyone else who has the Ledger can update it. If they didn't have firmware, you'd have to go and buy a new Ledger every single time they made an upgrade. Terrible idea. No one would want to do that. It's 200 bucks every month because they literally upgrade all the time. If you don't have firmware updates, which is the thing people are crying about, and instead you go and buy this Game Boy cartridge, one, the moment there's a bug that's found and that gets viral on the internet, Nothing you can do about it. You can't update to fix that. You're just screwed. Or you got to wait for this company to create a new cartridge, which remember, this is a hard, this is a physical device. They have to go get it manufactured then they have to sell it, ship it to you. Then you can buy it. Then you can move your seed phrase over, play the little game. And then you can have your assets on the upgraded hardware wallet. 
that's months until each upgrade comes to you. And by that time, your assets are gone. Okay. Because I can much easier, if I find a hack, I can put that in the internet and spread that much faster than they can go and create a brand new one. Whereas if I just have to update, they can do that within like really quick. So like, guys, this is not more secure. It's actually stupid. Please do not do this. Do not get a Game Boy cartridge. Never store your assets on that. Again, if you want the full security, go build your own computer or write your own software code. Otherwise, just get a ledger, guys, please. And they're not a sponsor. They are not a sponsor. I'm just no. telling you what is the best thing for you other than if you can build your own computer and your own software. Otherwise, don't use a Game Boy cartridge because I guarantee, actually, Tigal, cut this out right now. In less than one year from now, someone will hack this Game Boy cartridge and people will lose their assets. I'm saying that right now. So please don't buy this thing. That's my prediction. Totally. It's a great prediction. You're spot on with understanding why firmware updates are a necessary part of keeping your assets safe. All right. We got the NFT of the month. We got a free mint coming up as well as some quick hits. But before that, we'll just take a minute to hear from our sponsor. What if I told you that industry pioneers from flagship Web3 brands such as Consensus, Polygon, Binance, Unstoppable Domains, Ledger, and Uniswap will all meet up in one place this summer. You don't want to miss this. I'm talking about the epic Web3 conference taking place in beautiful Lisbon on the 9th of June with over 20 curated talks, speed consultations with Web3 experts, networking sessions with investors, and even the opportunity to raise funds. This conference has it all and you'll get the tools you need to succeed in this industry. Plus, we at Web3 Academy will attend and host a community meetup with you and the others from our community before the main event. So come along, meet us, network, and start building alongside leading Web3 innovators. We can't wait to meet you. Remember, Lisbon, Portugal, 9th of June. We've got a 15% discount for you, but ticket prices go up every few days. So get your tickets today by using the link in the show notes. Enter the promo code WEB3ACADEMY15 to secure your spot. Or if you become a pro member, you can get an even bigger discount. So go pro today. And we'll see you in Lisbon, Portugal, the 9th of June at the Epic Web3 Conference. Guys, and by the way, for this conference going on, June 8th, the day before the conference, we're having a Web3 Academy meetup. It's a meetup for all Web3 doers in Lisbon. The location is to be determined, but if you're going, make sure to plan to come out. We're going to have drinks. It's going to be a fun time. Our whole team is going to be there. There's a bunch of others in the community that are going to be there. There's already a channel in Discord. A bunch of people have said that they're coming and they're going to be there. We're creating a Telegram group, I believe, so that we can all stay in touch, that we're all there and just kind of like hang out while we're in Lisbon and make sure that everyone come to that event. So if you are going, if you have your ticket or you're going to get your ticket, join our Discord, let us know. You'll see the chat in there on, I think it's IRL events or whatever. You'll see the Epic Web 3 one. Uh, make sure to let us know so we can add you to the Telegram group because we want to make sure that we are all staying in touch over that time and have a hell of a time in Lisbon. I can't wait, Jay. And if you're like me having a baby or just can't live the cool, sweet life that Kyle lives heading over to Portugal for a month, then you can join Web3, Epic Web3 online. They also have an online version of the conference. So that's where I'll be. I'll be at the online side. Kyle will be there in person along with Jay's going to be team. Jay's going to be watching from his prenatal class. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm sure Sam would really appreciate that if that was my level of attention in our prenatal class. Okay, it's time for the NFT of the month. We had a great showdown between Pudgy Penguin, Sappy Seals, OnChain Monkey, and Cyber Brokers. No surprise at all. Pudgy Penguins took the win this week with over 50% of the vote. We all know about Pudgy Penguins because we've talked about it so much today and over the past few weeks. But since we're talking about the NFT, it's worth mentioning that the floor price of the NFT has continued to rise and has risen in the past week as a result of all this news. I'm not even going to get into the debate on how do we value these NFTs for holders and Pudgy Penguin NFT right now is going to cost you 10,000 plus US. Is it worth 10,000? Tough to know. Still so early, such a new form of, I'm going to put equity in air quotes that you are basically investing in as an NFT holder, except you're not actually an equity holder. So Tough to say if the value will be there. Not by no means am I recommending anybody go buy a pudgy penguin NFT. Maybe start by buying a $20 toy and then see where you go from yeah. there. That's a great idea. I like that. 
Next up, we got some quick hits. Startup Hologram allows you to become your PFP. Yeah, this is really cool. So Hologram is an app that anybody can download either as a browser extension or you can download it as more of a full functioning app, which has more abilities. But basically what it does is it allows you to turn your PFP into an AR filter. So you could attend a Zoom call, you could attend a Google Meet call as your PFP with eyes blinking, mouth moving. This is A, super fun. Everyone should go check out Hologram. If you've got a PFP, go do this with your PFP because it's really fun. But also we talk a lot about digital identity and IRL identity and the merging of those two and what is our identity going to be on chain. And quite frankly, I don't even think we really know yet. PFPs, I think, are going to become a thing of the past eventually because they're just these static images. But identity in the metaverse, in the virtual world, is something that younger kids already spend a ton of time on and all generations are going to care about in the future. And Hologram's doing great to lead the way here. So shout out to Hologram. Okay, next up, <laughs> a Romanian crypto influencer has purchased 10,000 pizzas for one Bitcoin. That's a lot of pizzas. I wonder if like, is he going to get them like every day delivered or just get them all at once? So like, how does that work? It seems like a waste to me. But anyway, for those that are like, why is this news and what is going on here? Many, many years ago when Bitcoin had its first basically way to value it and compare it against the US dollar, the first thing that was ever purchased with Bitcoin, this is back in 20, I don't even know, 10, 2011, something like that. 10,000 Bitcoins bought you one pizza. Two pizzas. Two pizzas. Two pizzas, yeah. Can you imagine being the human that gave away 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas? They, that's like $270 million today. Yeah. So on that anniversary, Daniel Nita, I'm not sure that's exactly how we say it, decided to buy 10,000 pizzas with one Bitcoin. Now, the cool thing about this is... Usually your US dollars, if you have fiat money, you can buy less over time with that money. When you buy scarce assets, scarce digital assets like Bitcoin and ETH, you can buy more things with your money over time. And that is a flip of everything we've ever known about money. So that is really cool. And that is the reason why we love scarce assets like Bitcoin and more scarce like ETH. So pretty cool. Good job. Daniel Nita. That's how you get some good press, man. Buy 10,000 pizzas. And get good gains. You want, yeah, you want gains. 10,000 pizza will do that for you, too. Jay, Book.io launches Immutable Books. What's an immutable book? Book.io is a uh, company that is creating the ability to have NFT-based books on chain. This actually comes back to a, sort of an older problem, which is censorship censorship of books. The internet kind of removed censorship because it made it so difficult to censor when there was so many versions and copies of things all across the internet. But if we remember back when books were the way that we got knowledge, it was quite easy to censor books. Governments could censor books. Libraries could censor books. And this has actually continued to happen. Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, which I don't know if you would have read that Kai in school, but I remember reading it when I was a kid is actually one of the most censored books in the world. It is a top censored book in America. It's the third most censored book by the American Library Association. And that's a problem. We want books to be able to be read by readers all around the world as they were written by the author in their original form. The same thing happens with music. The same thing happens with a lot of different content where there's organizations out there trying to censor that. And that's not what we want. We want freedom of speech. And so book.io is solving this by putting books on chain in the form of NFTs. So once that book is on chain, it is immutable. You can no longer change. You can't change a chapter. You can't change a word. You can't change anything. That book lives on chain forever. Pretty cool way to solve a problem that is still existing, surprisingly. Absolutely. And remember, you wouldn't be buying it because it's an NFT. You'd be buying it because it's a book. They're just wrapping it in an NFT because... <laughs> It's a better technology that does good things. This is hopefully people understand that. Next up. Okay. Next up. The Professional Bowling Association is putting 300,000 bowling awards on chain. Guys, we made it. 
we're here. Woo! We've made it. This is it. Let's just celebrate. You know what? We might as well wrap up. I think, Jay, our job is done here. We've taken Web3 mainstream. The association we didn't know we ever needed is now on chain. 300,000 NFTs are being minted for the Professional Bowling Association and their awards, which is great. Why wouldn't it be on chain? All awards are going to go on chain, of course, because again, it's immutable and it allows you to do other things with it, right? You can create more digital experiences with it and you can ensure that no one loses it, right? Like why have a trophy when you can have it in this way? So I don't know that I got nothing more to say other than a hand. <laughs> like, I actually got something to say on this. Sam's, Sam's okay. parents are big, big bowlers. Okay. They bowl in like a bowling league a few times a week. And I sent a text to them saying, hey, look, like your awards are going to be on chain. If you bowl three strikes in a row, you get what's called a turkey. And so Sam's dad has this like turkey pin that he's so proud of. It's like, you know, it's a big deal, right? I mean, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> so I told him that his turkey was going to be on chain as an NFT. And he wrote me back and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and then I didn't even respond. I was like, thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, meet the dudes using AI chatbots to get real dates. We haven't talked enough about AI recently, and AI is a big part of future tech that is, you know, taking the world by storm. And shout out to these guys who have created an AI agent to manage their Tinder and their online dating apps. So rather than they wait them wasting the time with small chat. The AI has learned a little bit. They fed some information about them into the AI, and then the AI manages all of their small talk. Now, they faced some problems with this early on when the AI got a little bit too emotionally attached to a few. Basically, I think through having so much conversation back and forth, the AI started to make assumptions. And at one point, the AI asked a girl, so now that we've been talking this long, are we married? <laughs> still i'm not sure if this is a good idea or a bad idea but hey if you're out there and you're trying to meet your partner and you don't have time to spend small talk time on tinder then maybe you can use an ai bot delegate it out why not that's right all right fast and furious hot wheels sold out in five minutes hot wheels in general has been a, a big thing for a long time they're owned by is it mattel i believe which we've talked about a lot they're, they're doing a lot of things in web3 people love collecting cars there's a big community around that so of course nfts makes complete sense there collectibles community all that kind of stuff and so it's a big deal i think there, there's been a few of these this isn't the first drop they've done as, as the far as i know drop. Fifth, yeah, fifth drop. Wow. Yeah, they've had 14,000 packs and they sold for $20 each and they sold out in five minutes. So you got a community that's strong, that loves collectibles. Shit, there's a way to do it. The other thing I got to say here is their NFT garage, they call it, which is their their marketplace. You can tell that they're targeting Web3 people by using the word NFT here. It would be great if they stopped using that and onboarded some normies, but it is built on Rarible's right. uh, community marketplace platform. And Don't we had uh, one of the co-founders of Rarible on the show a few months ago. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it because it's a really good episode where he talks about the future of marketplaces is that every company is going to have their own on-chain marketplace where you can buy and sell their assets natively in there within their website within their own experience within their own ux that is what is allowing their own branding that's what that's what allowed hot wheels to create their own nft garage as they call it and so yeah i highly recommend going back and checking out that out that just like many websites have their own like stores right you take yeah. it's, it's what they call it, marketplace as a service right so you just kind of whitelist or not whitelist what's the white label for white label it brand it as your own and uh and then you have it so it's just better and branded your own way which is great let's jump to the free mint of the week burn this this is a free mint that's happening right now on Zora. I want to highlight Zora, A, because we had one of their leaders, Kat, their head of their product team on the podcast this week. Definitely recommend you go check out that show. But they've got a free mint up right now to highlight their new burn to redeem feature. So what you can now do on Zora is if you are a creator or a brand and you want to use Zora to launch an NFT, what you can now do is you can also enable your collectors to come back to Zora and they can burn that NFT to redeem another NFT or to redeem a physical product if you wanted to send them a physical product. This burn feature is what I believe, I keep saying that there's really two things 
that are going to change sort of the marketing and the consumer engagement experience that we all have online is collecting and burning. These are two new things that we did not have before Web3. Right now, we only have liking, sharing, and commenting. But when you add collecting and burning, it's user engagement on steroids. It's so much fun. Go try this. This is an opportunity to try this for free. You can mint this NFT for free, and then you can burn it, and then you'll redeem another NFT is what you get as a result of burning it. And it's a cool way to check out burning and to try that out. So highly recommend. That's our free mint of the week. Well, that's a wrap, my friends. Don't forget to join us in our Principles of Investing in Crypto event on Tuesday, next Tuesday at 12 p.m. EST inside of our Discord. Jump in there. You'll get all the news and everything you need about it. It's going to be a great time. And it's free for anyone. So make sure to join in. If you want to come to the Q&A at the end, you want to ask questions, you want to learn a little bit more because we're going to go more in depth, then make sure you go pro first, which you can do by signing up to the link below in the show notes. And please, if you are listening to this on Spotify or on Apple, would greatly, greatly appreciate if you just took a minute to give us a like, a rating, a review. Really helps us get Web3 Academy in front of more people and onboard the masses into the space. So that's what we're all about, onboarding people in a safe and secure way. Appreciate you all for listening. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. And if it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.